Hello, I'm Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton, and I lead the Justice, Equity, and Opportunity Initiative. Welcome to my podcast series, Walk, Listen, Learn, Our Journey to Justice. Why a podcast? Well, I wanted to combine three things I love, walking, listening, and learning. As the title suggests, I'm also passionate about people and finding engaging ways to discuss issues. So thanks for joining me. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about justice through the lens of intersectionality. And my guest today is Shannon Parker. Shannon is the Director of Strategic Partnerships at Howard Brown Health. She is a human rights advocate, a public speaker, a community-centric leader, and she currently serves on the Equality Illinois Board. Welcome, Shannon, and thank you for walking, listening, and learning with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here as always. Well, I was so glad to see you. And, um, you know, I just want to say that there is a, a, a probably last year, certainly several months ago, that you came to my office mm -hmm. to really kind of start talking about intersectionality yes. in many ways. And it was just such a powerful conversation for my team here in the office of the lieutenant governor because you know we talk about justice every single day and I'm not sure that um, I or many of the team members were always thinking about justice through this intersectionality lens. And you know, when I think about the word intersection, I think about this point where two lines might meet or I That's think of right. a crossroads. So can you talk a little bit about this word, intersectionality? It's a word that we've heard over and over again in these conversations around justice and certainly in recent months as the whole world is talking about racial justice um, and policy and advocacy and organizing. What is intersectionality and why is it important on this journey to justice? So you actually illustrated it so well when you had um, did the illustration of street intersections, right? You spoke about a convergence, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So taking a step back, when we think about intersectionality, it is a phrase that was originally coined by Kimberly Crenshaw. Right. And intersectionality means that we hold multiple identities that don't exist independently of each other, but those identities also can come with layers of oppression, you know, so for- Each separately. Each so each separately. one can have its own level of oppression. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, for instance, right, we know that um, men have a tendency to out-earn women. However, we know that um, a woman based off of her race, let's say for instance a white woman, holds more privilege in this world than a black woman. However, a black man will still out-earn a black woman, and a white man will still out-earn a white woman, right? So those intersections really can get real granular and very interesting. Well, I, I think your example is really good because I think every year on Equal Pay Day, as it's mm. called, um, there's this sort of like a, a, a woman makes I think it's 82 cents or 83 cents to the dollar that correct. every man makes or mm -hmm. a white man makes. That is correct. And um, kind of using what you just, your example of intersectionality, uh, there became a time where you had to kind of then say, well, 
a white woman makes 82, 83 mm-hmm. cents mm-hmm. to the dollar for every to every dollar a white man makes, but a black woman makes closer to 60 three or 64 cents to the dollar, and then breaking it down for Latinas, That's breaking right. it down for a Native American woman, and at each level, it's different that is based on the identity, that is the correct. racial identity. Mm-hmm. And so um, what you're talking about is that uh, there are a number of different identities that someone can have, mm-hmm. and each one then can have its own level of distinct oppression, for lack of a better word. There you go. So. Think about it for me. Mm-hmm. So usually when I identify myself, uh, if someone t- were to say, well, who are you? Mm-hmm. And I would typically say I'm a woman, I'm a black woman. That's right. Those would be identities. Mm-hmm. Um, I could say I'm a cisgender woman. That is correct. Um, but talk a little bit more about sort of these identities that we have mm-hmm. and, and how that, that intersectionality plays out when you have multiple identities. So I love the examples that you use, right? You use um, being cisgender, for instance, right? And we can also take put- And can you explain cisgender? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So when we're talking about somebody who is cisgender, we're talking about an individual who was assigned a particular gender at birth, male or female, and this individual's identity lines up with that assignment at birth. So for instance, let's say that you were assigned male at birth, Mm -hmm. You are at home in a male body. You feel very male. You have no desire to transition. Mm -hmm. You are a cisgender person. Mm -hmm. And in the Latin, that means on the same side as. Okay. So that is what cisgender means. But thinking about the privilege that a cisgender person holds, this is a world that orbits around being heterosexual, meaning that you're attracted to the opposite sex Mm -hmm. and that you are cisgender, Mm -hmm. right? And when we think about what privilege is, privilege is when you move through this world without having to think about how you move through the world, right? Because everything is set up for your accessibility. Well, I mean, the way you described it, that the world sort of orbits around heterosexuality as well as being cisgender. Being cisgender. That's right. So if you think about the world kind of moving in that space, mm-hmm. that means that those that don't move in that space, what does that mean for them? That means that they are on the margins. So that word marginal marginalization. There you go. Don't want to be a tongue twister. <laughs> That's right. That means that you are on the margins. Mm-hmm. And we know that individuals in this world are all worth fighting for all deserve a place at the table, all need to be heard. However, to what you just said, because traditionally the world has orbited around these particular centered identities, individuals that exist outside of those frames have a tendency to um, be considered inconsequential, Mm -hmm. right? Their voices don't necessarily matter as much. These are individuals who know what they need, however other decision makers tell them what they need. You know, so when we think about marginalization, we're not talking about individuals who are inherently insignificant. We're talking about individuals who within the power structure have been deemed so. And the call of a social justice advocate such as yourself and me and plenty others out there is to say that is not true. Um, Those individuals need to be fought for and those individuals need to be given space to speak for themselves. And I... 
you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that framing because what you said is so important and I think that I just want to emphasize it. It's not that you are. That's right. You know, less than on the, it's yes. a, there's a power structure that has existed, you know, throughout history That's that right. may make you seem like you're That's on, exactly on the fringe or, or not as central. Mm -hmm. And it's important, as you said, to not only to advocate for p people like me in a position to be able to advocate, but it's also important for me to listen to their voices and lift up yes. people who are feeling like they are not in those spaces at the table where decisions are being made. There you go, exactly. Yeah. So what is this term then when we say marginalized communities? Mm. Is that an okay term to use or because I hear it all the time and I use that term. Mm -hmm. You know something, that is an interesting statement because it's an interesting question because I ask myself that too sometimes. And I, I remember what I said a second ago is being marginalized is not something that you inherently or intrinsically are. It is a state in which you have come to be because you your narrative does not fit into the power structure. So when we talk about marginalized communities, yes, right? We're talking about communities that have been um, left out of the discussions or the equations about how we can lift this community up. We'll notice, for instance, that life expectancy um, is glaringly different based off of zip codes but those two zip codes can exist within less than a five mile radius. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we know that the lifespan of an individual who lives in Inglewood versus Hyde Park is almost, I wanna say almost 15, 20 year difference, you know? So again, I don't believe that using that language is inherently bad so long as we are not making that an individual's idea identity, mm -hmm. right? Because I could be considered as a black trans woman, I could be considered a marginalized individual. I don't view myself as inherently marginalized, mm -hmm. but because of my identities, right? Being black, being a woman, being transgender, not having cis privilege. Oftentimes, my voice is not heard and my identities are not prioritized. And so what do you think is most important for policymakers mm -hmm. as we think about justice mm -hmm. um, as it relates to the uh, relates to identities as it relates to intersectionality what what does it mean to say we're going to be uh, helping to lift up your voices and making sure that you're at the table what does that even look like I think for starters it looks like actually um, having conversations and asking questions of those individuals who come from these marginalized communities. And when we think about marginalized communities, we also have to be very diverse in our trajectory because we know that marginalized communities exist all over this state. Mm -hmm. um, we think about marginalized individuals who are in Southern Illinois, right? We think about marginalized individuals who um, live in sort of blighted communities. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we have to do is go to those communities in Chicago, right? Go to those communities in rural areas and actually say, hey, this is who I am and what do you need? 
and remember what they're saying that they need and take that back to your seats of power and speak those needs. Mm -hmm. And then if allotted, bring them onto the floor, bring them at the table so that way they can also say what they need from their own mouth as well. You know, that's kind of the very foundation of restorative justice. Mm -hmm. And we kicked off our our series really talking about restorative justice and mm -hmm. the idea of what we say, which is that the wisdom is in the room. That's right. That the solutions for communities aren't found by people in an office somewhere mm -hmm. saying, this is what you need to do for them. That is right. It's by saying, going to those communities and saying, you tell us, mm -hmm. because they are the experts of their communities and mm -hmm. they know what they need and That's they know correct. the way that they need it. And how do we bring those voices to the spaces where decisions are being made. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is really when we think about how do we make sure that we are being restorative. That is not just being restorative, it is also justice. That is right. You know, um, you know I, I want to say you're on a roll this evening because you are <laughs> right, you know, but it's important, and this is another word, it's important mm -hmm. that in our advocacy, that we do not become paternalistic. Mm. And when I say paternalistic, I mean um, sometimes this idea that we know more than other individuals and that we are here to tell you what it is that we that you need based on our research, right? Based on the certain privilege of academia that we hold, um, based on the privileges of Holding access. certain positions, access, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Um, so when we think about um, the transference of power, if you will, or the sharing of power, I should say, that looks like, again, as we've both talked about, not only speaking for the voiceless, but giving the voiceless back their voices yeah. to tell the world what it is that they are in need of. It, it reminds me of a, a phrase that you hear people say all the time, that I'm here giving a voice to the voiceless. Yes. And I always think to myself, they're not voiceless. Right. They have voices. They're, they're alive. <laughs> people might not listen, mm -hmm. but people are not voiceless. That's right. And so it's not necessarily giving a voice to the voiceless. Mm -hmm. It's creating space for their voices that they have to be heard. Beautifully put. You know, I want to talk a little bit because you've mentioned the term privilege or spaces mm -hmm. of power. Correct. How do one's identities, and I think you touched on this a little bit kind of in terms of talking about the orbit that this world kind mm -hmm. of spins around, mm -hmm. but how do identities play a role in both power and privilege? Because oh. someone, yes, I'm a black woman, mm -hmm. but I'm also in the role of an elected, as an elected official. And so there's a level of you know, influence that I have in my role um, but I also know that there's my identities as a black woman that have led me to, at times, walk into spaces where someone might follow me in a store, That's or right. they might assume that I remember going someplace and someone was like, the lieutenant governor is supposed to be here. And they were looking all around. Where and I was like, at? yep, it's the woman that's right next to you. And I know that I may not look like how you imagine. Oh, my so, goodness. You know, so, so you recognize that identities can play a particular role. What is the role of power and privilege as it relates to identities? I want to give you a great example. So um, I was talking to a friend of mine this afternoon. And I said, um, yeah, we can hang out after I um, get done with this segment with Lieutenant Governor. And he says, oh, um, where's his office? 
Ah. And I said, her. And he said, oh, oh, wow, oh. That's right, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor is a woman. So again, yeah. that male privilege that mm -hmm. we assume right. that men are the ones who hold power mm -hmm. because typically these positions such as governor, lieutenant governor, other elected officials have orbited around men. Mm -hmm. So that's when we think about power in the room, we think of men first being at the top. We think of um, typically white men being at the top. Um, we think about individuals who tell other individuals um, women, so on and so forth, what it is that they need and how they should respond and how they should move through the world. And that is really how power typically is held in this world and how it's um, kind of doled out, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I know that it's important to honor and to recognize people's identities. And That's I know right. you and I have had conversations about this beyond this this particular mm -hmm. segment, but um, you know, now that we know some of that terminology, intersectionality, marginalization, and thinking about the groups that are most affected, there's also this other side, and that is allyship. Yes. And I think that in the conversations around racial justice that have really sprung up all over the world in the wake of George Floyd's murder, um, and Brianna, that of Breonna Taylor and Tony McDade and so many others. Mm -hmm. What does allyship really mean? Because there's a lot of questions about that. Is it learning? Is it saying that, hey, I stand with you? Is it marching alongside of someone at a mm -hmm. protest? What is allyship? That's a great question. And I think a lot of people have been asking themselves that right now. What is allyship? Or how can I be a or good can, ally? How can I be, right? So there's two ways that I look at it, right? There's performative allyship and there's actionable allyship. Mm -hmm. And I believe that both of them have their place, right? That neither one of them are inherently bad. But what we do know is that allyship is not meant to be something that's passive. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be something that lives in the realms of tolerated, right? Because mm -hmm. we know that tolerance is a very dull virtue. Um, allyship is something that is meant to be living and breathing and active. So for instance, I'll give you an example of performative allyship. Um, during Pride Month, we may see things like rainbow flags, right? Mm -hmm. On businesses, we may see things like um, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. We may see, um, if you all in the audience have noticed, that there's this blue sticker with these two yellow stripes on it. That's HRC, Human Rights Campaign. And all of these things are meant to signify or signal we're allies here. We support you. But... And support is important. Absolutely. That, that there's many who will not stand to support. So sure. it's not saying we don't need support, but don't end there. Don't end there, exactly, because what um, actionable allyship looks like is when we open those doors that have those particular um, stickers or markers, that we're walking into a business that actually has policies set into place to protect those individuals 
who come from what we would call those marginalized identities, right? Mm -hmm. We have policies, procedures, laws in effect to ensure the rights of those individuals who are otherwise left out of the table. We think that um, kente cloths are lovely. Um, however, what we would like to see are individuals um, pass laws, right? And <laughs> ensure that we have um, ways of moving through this country that will not get us killed, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so again, there's a time for performative allyship because we all go off of signals and cues. That's how humans have survived forever. Mm -hmm. But it's time for action too. What do you think is important for someone who may be new in this space around mm -hmm. justice, who wants to be an ally, has mm -hmm. indicated support in some way mm -hmm. by stepping up and saying, you know what, what I'm seeing is wrong and I, I want to do better. Mm -hmm. How does someone start to move towards that actionable allyship and even know where to start? Because I think that's a question that I hear people ask all the time, I, I want to be an ally, I consider myself an ally, but I don't know what I should be doing. That's right. You are asking the tough questions today, and I know <laughs> someone in the audience is like, that's me. So what should you, what should you be doing? So let's start here, y'all. What you can be doing is, let's start, let's start at a, I don't want to say a low threshold, for lack of a better word, low mm -hmm. threshold. But like the, at the beginning, the beginning at the steps. Beginning. Interrupt violent conversations. Mm. And when I say violent conversations, if you hear something racist, like a racist joke, don't laugh at it. Mm -hmm. You know, say that is not okay. That's not okay in front of me. Maya Angelou tells an amazing story that um, someone made a racist joke in her home and she gave that person their code and asked them to leave. You know, um, interrupt transphobic and homophobic statements. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not okay here. Um, honor people by their correct pronouns and um, names and things like that. You know, you taught me that the importance of that. I've yes. seen it, but now I know that she, her, hers are, are my preferred pronouns. That's right. And what are yours? In the, the respect of asking that question. That is correct. Because what we know is, again, for y'all who are listening, this is a world that centers and orbits cisgender folks. So we never want to assume anything about anyone. So I'm really glad that you took that away. You know, um, when I also think about how can one be an ally, vote. Vote for individuals who have the best interests of those individuals who have been left at the margins, you know? Um, pressure your lawmakers, policy makers. Um, find tooth comb policies and laws that come under the guise of things like religious freedoms when in fact they're very exclusionary, right? Think about those things. Think about being an ally from a very broad lens. Think about your world around you beyond your kitchen table and say, how am I going to make a difference? Donate, you know, donate. There's so many things that you can do um, to be really active in your allyship. Absolutely, well, yeah. Shannon, thank you for walking, listening, and learning with us today. Um, 
I think all of us will continue to be thinking about the various yes. identities that we all hold mm -hmm. and how that relates to the broader power structure. Absolutely. And what we can do to be good allies to one another. You know, and I'll also say too in closing is that We've spoken a lot about um, marginalization. We've spoken a lot about oppression and how some individuals don't hold as much privilege. But even in that marginalization, we all still hold our privileges, right? Um, it is a privilege to be able to sit here and speak and talk to an audience of individuals who also hold privileges in many different ways as well. Um, we know that we're moving into a world that is beginning to center a lot of individuals who are otherwise left out of conversations. Mm -hmm. So when we think about our, our identities having once been a deficit, well, actually they're beginning to become a lot, hold a lot more power and privilege, but we just cannot rest on our laurels and we have to continue to keep moving to ensure that everyone has their equal share of power and that everyone is heard. I think that that's an important point to close on, that identities that at one point that's could right. be looked at and, be, and have been marginalized, mm -hmm. uh, as things continue to change in society, those can also be points of power. That's right. And that can be shifting it at all times. That is right. Shannon, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. That's it for this episode of Walk, Listen, Learn, Our Journey to Justice. Until next time, I'm Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton. Thank you for walking, listening, and learning with me. Let's stay on this path towards justice, equity, and opportunity for all.